Well, I think, I mean, it is for the best of the podcast that we are branded as like the faces of the podcast. Like, I think it's important. We can't just do like, here's a picture of, uh, you know, of Julius Randall, like spinning into a double team. Like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna be best yeah. for like hot hand theory, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. It sucks. Um, <laughs> Sick Julius Byrne too. <laughs> gotta, yeah. gotta, gotta, gotta take out the shovel when you can, you know? <laughs> Jesus. It came naturally. I didn't. I didn't intend to. <laughs> um, Dude, Kendra's I was just like, "What's get, an iconic Kendra's gonna, like, Knicks image?" <laughs> Kendra's gonna get you. Yeah, this was the intro to the pod. Uh, Kendra would be. It can be. It still can be. We can score those DMs. points. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is Hot Hand Theory. This is a podcast where we talk about the NBA and break things down from an analytical perspective. I'm your co-host, XJ. He is my brilliant co-host, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, we have a lot of Knicks to talk about. We have a lot of NBA to talk about. But first, we have some business to attend to. Um, in our last podcast, we dropped a little a little breadcrumb in there at, towards the end there. We, you know, it was a, kind of a marathon episode that we broke into two parts. And... Just kind of seeing, getting a feel for who is riding with us the whole time, and 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 hanging on to every word of this uh, this eye test and impact metric talk and all of these kinds of things, these kinds of concepts that we were dropping. Um, we dropped a little breadcrumb and said, if anybody wanted to uh, let us know that they were still with us at that stage in the podcast, they can drop us a message either on YouTube in the comments, um, on social media, and either of our direct messages. Um, the word spreadsheet, the word spreadsheet. And um, I was happy to see that we actually had a fair number of comments from people who were listening and who um, wanted to engage. And we also promised something to at least one of those people who had dropped that word. Do you want to do you want to talk about what we promised them? Uh, sure. We promised them 10 American dollars, I believe. 10. Yeah. All 10 and, of them. I mean, we just to be clear, we appreciate all of you. So just because that we will only be giving away $10 doesn't mean $10 worth of our hearts aren't also being given <laughs> away to all of you. So, you know, thank you to everyone who listened to the end and who sent us messages. Um, I want to shout out a specific individual. Um, his Twitter name is NGSG Dude. Um, I know him as J. And he sent me just about the nicest message I've ever gotten from anybody on here. Um, it was just, it was overwhelming to read. It was super nice. Um, he did say spreadsheet at the end. So Jay, if you had ulterior, if you had ulterior motives, then, you know, I'm, no, um, I, I know you didn't cause what you said was just, wow. Um, it's why we do stuff like this, honestly. Um, yeah, I just, I'm doing this off cuff and so I'm I'm very overwhelmed by what he said. And so just thank you and thank you to everyone who listened and I'll send it back to you extra. Yeah. Obviously, thank you so much to everyone who listened to to the end. But either even if you listen for a couple minutes or, you know, to one of the clips that we have on Twitter or, you know, to one of the the shorter YouTube clips as segments that we have on YouTube, like we really appreciate it. The person who is going to win ten dollars in addition to ten dollars worth of each of our hearts um is going to be lucas kim ball 38 who dropped a really nice comment on youtube and also called himself a fellow spreadsheet watcher because everyone knows that jeff and i do not watch basketball 
we simply watch spreadsheets. That's that is what we observe, and that is the the foundation of all our basketball opinions. They come from viewing spreadsheets. Um, and uh, <laughs> do do you want to add anything to that, Jeff? To to I ranted enough last week. I was about to rant again. I need I need to reel it in, or we're gonna have another you know three part episode. So yeah, I'll just um, I'll just go look at I'll just go look at my spreadsheets while you're yeah, okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah, Lucas Kim Ball thirty eight. Thanks so much for your comment. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be in touch with um getting you your your winnings. But thank you all again to everyone who who sent us a message and really kind words, like Jeff said. And yeah, it's it's been really overwhelming and amazing. Um, we need to jump into Nick's talk. Let us jump into Nick's talk. The Knicks went three and one this past week, including the Timberwolves game that, uh, you know, just happened for those of you who are watching this, that just happened last night. The Knicks defeated Atlanta in a tough one, 116-114, coasted to relatively easy victories against both the Wizards and the Hornets. Um, the last night, the Knicks got dominated in the second half against Minnesota and ended up losing the game 117, 100, um, Jeff, I will let you do the honors and start talking about anything that you want to pull from those four games, uh, or, or last night's game, which was the freshest in our mind. Yeah. So just real quick, I, I think the Knicks continuing their trend of not just beating, but dominating teams they're supposed to be is extremely encouraging. Even if you don't believe in the overall ceiling of this team, you're a Knicks fan for a reason. And you, you know, even if you don't think they go in a championship, you'd like to see them in the playoffs. You'd like to see them, you know, win a playoff series, win two playoff series, whatever. And teams that do things like that, teams that have, you know, high floors and uh, 50, the the types of ceilings we talked about before the season, they take care of business against teams they're supposed to. And the Knicks pretty much have done that all season long. Their only really bad loss is um, at Cleveland, or excuse me, to Cleveland at home um, when Cleveland beat them um in new york without garland or allen i believe i think it was both were out yeah garland both both garland and allen were out um besides that they've beaten everybody i think they're supposed to beat they've lost to a lot of teams that are supposed to be really good they lost the bucks they lost the celtics twice now they've lost the timberwolves um yeah, so I I don't really have much from a film or an X's and O perspective to say about the Hornets or Wizards game. They won both handily, and I came away feeling how XJ felt about um, how, what he said would happen. You know, before the game, he was just basically like, "Yeah, I expect them to win handily," and they did because the Knicks are a good team, and they all every player in the rotation is good. So it's just really hard for a team that they're better than to they, – they really have to do something like the Celtics did against the Hornets tonight or what the Knicks did against the Timberwolves tonight and just shoot terribly from three to let a team like the Hornets or the Wizards beat them. Um, so that made me really happy. I don't know if you have anything to add about those two games. Yeah, not much on those two games. Um, I think what's interesting is that – in the NBA so far this season, at least it seems to me that there are like some bottom barrel teams that are just really bad. <laughs> uh, and then there are so a lot of like decent to very good teams. And then there's like a small elite tier um, that a team like Boston is in. Uh, obviously they lost uh, to, to, to one of those bottom barrel teams in Charlotte, but um, I think 
you know, just comment on that really quickly. Uh, we were chatting right before we started recording the pod and just talking about some three point variants and the fact that Boston relies on a lot of three point shooting is going to leave them subject to lose random games against random teams at any given night when they shoot particularly badly from three, um, because three point shooting is subject to uh, pretty high variance and, and any night you can just shoot five of 40 or whatever the case may be. And, and you're going to lose that game. Um, so the, I don't, I don't think the fact that Boston lost against Charlotte is any indication on how good they are or, you know, are they a fraud or any of that stuff? Like I think Boston is in the elite tier and, and a handful of teams that are that good in the NBA, but the rest of the teams I think are mostly like anywhere from good to very good. My only concern about the Knicks, and like you said, I mean, mostly talking about the Washington and Charlotte games, I just, I, I think it's, it's a great sign, like you said, that they beat these teams that they're supposed to beat and kind of beat up on them and piled up on them. I think that's awesome. Um, but I am a little bit concerned, and I've been very excited about this Knicks team. I'm a little bit concerned because I want to see them actually handle a good team. Because to me, this, this shows me that they have a really high floor. The fact that they're beating all of these um, bad teams, the San Antonio's, the Charlotte's, the, the you know, the, I, would, I was going to say the Cleveland's without <laughs> Allen and Garland, but they lost, <laughs> they lost one of those games. Um, even, even the Clippers who have been bad since they acquired James Harden, you know, I don't think they're going to stay this bad, but those teams that have not been good, the Knicks have beat up on those teams. Um, and I'm just... I just want to see them also be a good team, which hasn't happened yet. So I, I you don't, I mean, you don't think two road wins against Atlanta. Like I, I, those, those are pretty encouraging wins to me. I would say. Sure. Um, I just think Atlanta is one of, is, is just one of those like good teams. I don't think Atlanta is like a really good team or a contender or anything like that. I mean, when I'm talking about beating a, a, a good team or a really good team, I mean, beating a Boston, you know, beating a, a Milwaukee, beating a Minnesota. Um, and it just feels like, I mean, the Milwaukee game was close at points, but it, it just feels like, and the Boston game was close, you know, first game of the season, but um, it just feels like there's a gap between the Knicks and those teams. And, and, and obviously we have a long way to go. Um, a lot of kind of variance and fluctuations that we're seeing in some of the Knicks performances, I think have to kind of calm down and sustain a little better. Um, a lot of guys aren't playing to their level. A few guys are playing to like above what we thought was their level. Um, so we'll see things balance out and then we'll really get a sense of where the team is. Um, I've been excited about this team as like a potential, I'm going to say this on the podcast, an Eastern conference, uh, finals, uh, contender, but you know, I will have to see where things are when they balance out a little bit and we see some of this this kind of variance kind of come come down and 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 just see what they really are um so i just i'm just looking for like that marquee win at some point coming up soon where they beat like a really good team um and 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 kind of show that they're 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 in that level and and it could they have opportunities for that coming up over the next two games which we'll talk about later but yeah i don't know do you have any thoughts on that you just feel like They've done what they're supposed to do. They've lost games that they were supposed to lose. They're they they are who we think they are. Is that kind of where you're at with it? I guess I just think you're being a little bit too pessimistic because yes, they're only eight and six, but I think if you based on how their schedule, I mean, first of all, they just came off five road games and eight nights. That shouldn't go underrated. That's preposterous. That's 
a punishing schedule. Um, they've already had a number of back-to-backs. They've already had four back-to-backs, which is like, what is that? Um, or three, excuse me, three back-to-backs. Um, no, four, I was right. Yeah, four back-to-backs. Um, but if you go through their schedule and you just say, like, objectively, or look at the betting odds before the game, are they supposed to win this game or are they not supposed to win this game? They've been underdogs more times than they've been favored. So, I mean, I I know you're not an emotion. I know what you're basing your opinion on isn't based on emotion. I just feel like you're being a little bit too hard on them um, because I think that looked at purely objectively, their record should be worse. Um, they were underdogs in the Clippers game. They were underdogs in the first Cleveland game, um, despite uh, the injuries. They were underdogs in both Boston games. They were underdogs in at least one of the Atlanta games, but maybe even both. Um, and they were underdogs again tonight against Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think that I, I think that they've basically they they've looked better than anyone, including the people who set the lines, expected them to which is a good thing. And the other kind of pushback I have about what you said is I don't really associate the Knicks with volatility. And I'm surprised you kept using that word um, because I think that, yes, the Knicks shoot a lot of threes, but they're not you know, an outlier level three-point shooting team. They're not the Rockets from 2018. They're shooting a lot of threes. They're shooting a lot of good threes. Like Tibbs isn't going to let you unless you a certain somebody, he's not going to let you shoot, uh, you know, bad threes. They, they create good threes from good spots and they have a lot. The only people who are shooting threes are good shooters, especially since RJ is shooting almost, he's, I think he's over 50% after tonight. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't really associate the Knicks with volatility because of their offensive rebounding because of their low turnovers. I think they're, just a pretty stagnant output team. So I was surprised you kept using that word. Yeah. So just to, to respond to those two things. So I think that I think the Knicks are better than the betting markets think they are. So I'm, I'm measuring them against my standard, not against where the lines are. Um, because I think that I, I, like I just mentioned, I think that they have the potential to be an Eastern conference finals team. Um, and so I'm measuring them against that standard. So when you think about it from that perspective, obviously it, it makes those things a little different. I think that they should beat Atlanta. I think that they should beat Cleveland two games in a row when you know they don't have two of their four best players. Um, I don't think they should have been underdogs in Cleveland. In fact, for our, our Knicks film school betting and sweating, I think I picked the Knicks um, to, 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 to cover or to win uh, straight up against Cleveland that game that they were underdogs because I thought that was a, that was a weird line. It didn't really make sense to me. If the Knicks, and I think we talked about it before that game. It was like the Knicks had to win two, both of those games to me, in my opinion. Like I just, to, to, to show the, the echelon that they're actually in. Um, so I wouldn't judge it by the betting lines because the betting lines think the Knicks are like a 45 win team or something like, like, and I think we both don't think that they are. Um, I think we both think they're like a, a, a 50 plus win team. Um, so that's what I mean. And, and yeah, you want to respond to that? I just, I, um, I, I do think I, I want to stick with the volatility thing for a little bit longer. I do think they have a couple of volatile players. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I, I was going to, I was going to, I didn't get to mention about the volatility well, part when I was talking about the variant stuff I meant with regard to player performance, like individual player performance. 
Um, what I meant by, by that is I think there's some noise with regard to the way that they're achieving their outcomes. Um, so for instance, they're achieving their outcomes on the back of RJ Barrett overperformance, Josh Hart underperformance, you know, Quentin Grimes underperformance, um, Julius Randle obviously underperformance, Mitchell Robinson overperformance. So that's what I mean. I mean, like a lot of, a few of their guys are playing above where I think they're going to end up at the end of the season. And a few of their guys, maybe a lot of their guys are playing below where I think they're going to end up by the end of the season. And really like in a nutshell, it's almost summarized by Jalen Brunson's performance, which has been from three, like prime Steph Curry level in terms of how many catch and shoot threes he's taking, how many pull up threes he's taking. And the fact that he's shooting like 48% on, on both of them, that that's absurd. Um, and is, 100% not possible to like maintain over the course of a season but also his two-point shooting has been far below par far below his standard as far as like his effectiveness from two-point range um he's been terrible at finishing at the basket and 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 really low for his standard as far as mid-range shooting so I I just that's what I meant by kind of the variance I mean like the players are not playing at the level that I think that a lot of them are not playing at the level that I think they will like moving forward in the season. Um, guys who are playing like at the rate that I think are, is like sustainable is probably like, you know, DiVincenzo. This is probably like around what you can expect from him. Maybe he'll do a little better and maybe like Hartenstein, but the rest of them are like, you know, Randall. <laughs> I don't think Mitch can do this all season, but yeah, I, I'm going to be a holdout there. I know, I know most Knicks fans are like, yeah, you know, Mitch is just getting better. This is Mitch. This is like, I don't think Mitch is, you know, one of the greatest, you know, offensive rebounders and rebounders of all time. Like, I mean, he, he could very well be at the end of his career. I just like, I, you know, I'm going to not assume that he's not going to like have a 21% offensive rebounding rate, like throughout the course of, the, I just, I just can't imagine that happening. Like maybe it will. I hope it does. That'd be amazing. But that's just never going to be something I assume will happen. Yeah, I, I, I feel like um, where you and I disagree is I, I think I'm more interested in the why and not in the what. Because, so, you know, you mentioned Josh Hart. Um, yes, Josh Hart is performing worse than he did as a Nick last season. But... Well, worse than he ever has in his career, to be clear, in terms of, like, his performance, not, not just that as a Nick last season, he was like an all-star level player just as in terms of relative to Josh Hart from, you know, his Lakers rookie season to now, this is the worst he's ever played in his entire career. Okay. So we can expect him to get better, but why is he struggling? Well, for starters, he's not shooting the ball, um, which continues to be, you know, from a Knicks fan perspective, infuriating. But even just as a basketball fan, he got one look tonight above the break and he was wide open and he just, he stood there. Like he did, he didn't have any interest in shooting it. Um, I don't, I don't know why he, um, he just doesn't seem to have any confidence from beyond the arc, especially after he shot 52% as a Nick from three last season. You think that would build confidence. Um, and I know he's, shooting uh he's shooting more per 36 this season i believe um yeah, he's shooting more per 36 this season than he did last season but he's shooting way still shooting way fewer per 36 than basically he ever has in his career um that's disappointing 
he hasn't been as malleable defensively. Like when he was at his best last season during the regular season, you felt him and you felt him all over the court. He was at the point of attack. He was playing off the ball. He's not really doing either of those things well this season. Pretty much the only thing that I can point to with Josh Hart that he's doing well right now is he's still a force rebounding. You still you still notice him when he's attacking the glass and when he's you know skying for those rebounds. Um, so yes, I expect Josh Hart to play better. I expect more of his shots to go in, but I'm not sure we can count on him evolving from a mentality perspective uh, in the way that a lot of people assumed that he would once you know, shots started falling and his role was more consistent, especially with a coach like Thibodeau who loves him. He wants Josh Hart. Like if I was in his corner, if I was his agent, I would sit him down and be like, Josh, this coach is dying to play you 35 minutes a game. He wants that more than anything in the world. All you got to do is show him that you deserve it, you know? And for whatever reason, he's very passive. Um, And I, I can't say I understand why. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but I think for me, um, like Josh Hart has been clearly the worst rotation player on the Knicks, and I just, you know, despite what you, what you were suggesting, which is all accurate, of course, like, you know, his, his three-point attempt volume is down relative to the rest of his career aside from last year, which is, you know, shockingly the year when he shot 52% from three uh, with the Knicks, you know, which was only like 25 or 26 games. He only was taking 3.4 three point attempts per 100 possessions, um, you know, which is extremely low volume. That's extremely low volume. Like that's, if you're taking 3.4 three point attempts per 100 possessions, you you know, you're essentially not like a three point threat, no matter what you shoot from three. In my, in my opinion, it's just like extremely low volume. So, um, I, I, I do expect him to get better regardless of the reason why, just like, I think players essentially regress to the mean, um, of what they are. Josh Hart being a 28 year old kind of like fully developed NBA product. I, I think he's going to just like, inevitably revert to like the player that he is which I think is not the player that he was uh you know when he came over to New York um but the player that he has been you know for the past like three years of his career so I don't know what the reasons are you know it it could be anything could be have to do with you know a hangover from FIBA like you know there could be a number of things it could be like stuff in his personal life you know obviously has he has new children, relatively new um, children. So who knows what it is, but regardless of what it is, I just believe he's going to get better. Um, and it's, it's harder for me to kind of like speculate as far as like, what might be the cause of that? Oh, you know, is that, does that mean that he's going like, I don't know what the cause is, but I just know he's going to get better. <laughs> and I don't know how, I don't know how that really works, but I just know it ends up averaging out for the most part. I, I, unless you think like, this is going like his, his career is going downhill from this point. No, but don't you think that it's a good thing that the Knicks who are quote unquote overachieving are the younger Knicks and the Knicks who are underachieving are the guys whose output is a little bit more defined and who are so, so positive regression seems much more likely than negative regression from like, sure, we don't know that Mitchell Robinson is the greatest offensive rebounder of all time, but this is, he was supposed to be better than last season. He's 25 years old. You know, sure, we know that R.J. Barrett isn't going to shoot 50% from three, 
the rest of the season. But EPM doesn't just love him because he's shooting, making threes, you know. Um, he's doing other things well. You know, before he started really slumping tonight, uh, he had another really, really great defensive start to this game off the ball. And that was just he was he was excellent off the ball, both playing free safety, stunting on drives. And, you know, RJ doesn't need this RJ doesn't need to shoot 50 percent from three to be really good. As we talked about last week, it's helpful. Um, but my point is, is he's, you know, 23 years old, he's supposed to get better. So maybe, maybe, you know, if you're saying, well, he can't be this good because he hasn't been in the past. Well, maybe he is this good. You know, I think that's more likely than Julius Randle is shooting his true shooting percentage is 47%. I think Julius Randle is far more likely to improve than RJ is, or at least even if RJ and Randall are both equally likely in your mind to regress to their true output, which it seems like it's close to hundred percent for you, which is fine. Um, my guess is that Randall's positive regression will be more meaningful than RJ's negative regression and where they are age wise has, has something to do with that. Yeah. I think, I think that that's a, that's a great point. And I, I think that's primarily why I'm still encouraged. Like I'm not jumping off the, the ECF bandwagon. I all, all I'm saying is that I uh, <laughs> I'm getting a little <laughs> get a little antsy, and I want to see them beat a, a good team. And I think they have two opportunities to do that. I mean, a really good team. When I say that, not just like Atlanta. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's a great point, and I agree. I think count that, Miami. You would count Miami without Hero, just to be clear. I would. Would I count Miami in that? I think I have to, but. Because I feel like Miami and Atlanta are pretty. I I feel yeah. like home versus Miami again. Home versus Miami without Hero and two yeah. games at Atlanta, a fully healthy Atlanta with Jalen Johnson God moding. <laughs> Jalen Johnson feel, is absolutely God moding. Listen, 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 buddy. I'm going to talk about Jalen Johnson every podcast. And you can do your thing where you talk about the def- you can do your thing where you talk about the defense of some random player every podcast. All right, and that can be our bit. Pat Connaughton and Shake Milton can't wait for can't yeah. wait to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I got a, I got a couple more in my back pocket when we talk about the the, the Suns. But oh, um, stay stay tuned, guys. We're gonna hear about Grayson Allen's <laughs> sneaky defense. Grayson Allen's not he's not terrible. <laughs> 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 um <laughs> yeah i i i don't i don't think I, I i don't the only reason i would count miami i wouldn't count miami based on their output i would count miami based on like their history and spolstra and like how they play my but in terms of just like miami as a team i, I don't think they're not overwhelmingly impressive like they don't they don't have a, a vaunted offense. Like to be honest, they look like they looked last year, <laughs> like in the regular don't, season. Don't I don't mean. fall into this trap, dude. We all did. We all did it before the Miami series. Oh, they're an eight seed, and they're not that impressive, and they're just gonna come in and drive every one of every single Knicks fan nuts. That is not to say that they won't do what they did in the playoffs last year, right? Like I'm just saying, as far as regular season Miami, like they've looked similar. They've they've obviously you know have a a solid record um but i don't know like they don't seem scary to me like they don't seem like a a real contender or anything like that like i'm I'm not obviously i'm not gonna count out you know butler and spolstra and 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 those guys like i i believe that there is 
something that they bring to the table that allows them to perform at a higher level in these playoff environments. So I, I, I am on board for that. But as far as like regular season, regular season Miami, I, I don't think they're particularly like scary. I wouldn't say they're like a really good team. I would say they fit right into like kind of that grouping that I said, that middle group of like good teams. You know, Atlanta fits in there, Miami fits in there, and the Knicks fit in there um, right now. So I, I, I think we'll see a well. I, I would like to see because I believe the Knicks are a, a little bit above those those other teams, and I, I'm just I want to see it demonstrated through you know, a strong win against, against a, a better team. And I think this, no matter what we've seen from Phoenix, as far as their like win loss record or anything like that, Phoenix is in that category to me, um, especially whenever, you know, Booker and Durant are both playing. So Phoenix would be the opportunity to kind of be a team that is in their upper echelon and, and, and show that the Knicks are not just a, a really good, a good team that's going to beat up on bad teams. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Plus, as you know, Julius Randle takes that star showdown with Kevin Durant very seriously. So that's... Yeah, he, that's, he, view, that's he views them as peers. That's why. He views them as... Correct. As, as, <laughs> this is, it's like, yeah, me and you, KD, we go back and forth, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I mean, I, I just... I Julius Randle is what makes me aware that I am a biased person and I cannot trust what I'm watching and I need to rewatch it over and over again because he is the most maddening player that I've ever rooted for in my entire life. But I'm like, I root for him every single night, every single time we play, I'm just like, come on, Julius, let's do this. And then, you know, halfway through the first quarter, I'm just like, Oh, again, like we're, we're just going, it's this, I, I need to make one of those, somebody needs to make a picture, you know, the circle of Julius Randall fandom, because it's always, it's always the same. It's like, ah, <laughs> all right, well, we'll see, we'll see you next game, you know, and it's, it's, but then you look at the scoreboard or the box score and it's like, okay, he had 24 and 11 and like, I don't, I didn't think he was good again tonight, but there's gotta be something, you know, if, or no, he had 21 and 14. I was being dyslexic there. 21 and 14 on 16 shots. Like, is that yeah. how how can that be really bad? You know, but I came away from that game before without following the box score, being like, God, I, there were just so many things where I just didn't think he was helping, and I thought he was actively hurting, especially on defense. But maybe I'm just watching closer. Maybe those mishaps are more prevalent amongst all the players, and I'm just I don't know. I do it. I need to do what Thibodeau says and watch a third time apparently because. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tibbs keeps sending him out there and Tibbs is a great elite basketball mind. And, you know, tonight's game, he benched RJ, he benched quickly, he benched Hart, and he closed with uh, Mitch, Randall, Brunson, Grimes, and uh, DiVincenzo. And I don't know. I, I didn't think Randall deserved to be out there any more than RJ did. I know RJ didn't shoot well, but I thought RJ was – one of the few people who was actually creating good looks against an elite defense by collapsing the defense. He had a number. I know he had a number of shots that were just like, Whoa, he had, you know, a UFO or two from the baseline. Um, but I thought that would have been a fine game, even against the double big lineup to try, you know, RJ. And I know that's a little small, maybe for Tibbs' taste, but Randall, when are we going to learn or when are people going to learn that Randall isn't helping you on the defensive glass as much as his rebounding numbers may indicate? 
this implication that, oh, Tibbs doesn't like going small. He needs Randall's size. He's not down there helping you defensively. He's not boxing out. He's not taking out this. He's not taking out a Carl Anthony Towns. He's just standing there waiting for somebody else to box him out so he can grab the rebound. I don't, how, how many more years <laughs> of film do you, how many more years of film do you need before you realize that? There was one today where he wet, let Towns blow right past him and just stood there and watched. And then he was like, okay, I'll just stand here in case the re-. And then Gobert just flew past him as well. And Gobert got the offensive put back, and that was two points. And he is so much closer to um, JJ Hickson than he is to an actual good rebounder. JJ Hickson, elite reference. I don't mean like overall impact. I mean as a rebounder, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, that guy. That guy was. I remember one season the Cavs were like something insane, like five or five to 10% worse with him on the court and he led the team in rebounds. He averaged like he averaged like 13 rebounds a game and they were getting killed on the court when he was on the court because it was either he grabbed the rebound or the other team grabbed the rebound. He just wasn't helping you at all. Um, <laughs> this is why you come and listen to hot hand theory folks for JJ Hickson references. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah, that, I mean, yeah. That's why I listen to it. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm, yeah, here. I just, that's what I'm here for. I, I just, uh, I, I just don't think that the size excuse it doesn't carry any water with me because I know his rebounding isn't close to as impactful as people imply it is. So when you're just looking at the nuts and bolts of the game, I think you have to weigh more than, well, Julius needs to be out there than because of his size. Um, and I, tonight was a, a great example of a night when I just didn't think he was helping the Knicks. And then this gets back to my original point. I looked at the box score and it's like, and then I, you look at Tibbs continuing to throw him out there, and it's, okay, maybe he is, and maybe I'm biased. I have to be open to that idea. I just I have to be because I don't know. I, I'm just definitely not self assured enough to be like I know better than Tom Thibodeau from watching on my TV once. I um I mean I will say this. I, I want to talk about the rebounding thing because this is like one of my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves. Like when it comes to basketball, so you you, you hit on a, a sensitive subject for me, but. I do want to say that I do think I'm seeing Randall get better in terms of his overall kind of approach and his overall impact on the game. And I think it's, it's, it's not happening in a linear way. It's not like he was terrible at the beginning and now he's like just slowly getting better and better. But I think it's, it is going a, a little bit up and down, but in a positive direction. So I, 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 while I, he is as infuriating to me as he is to you um, in terms of when, he's, when his process is bad, when his effort is low, I do think he's working his way towards getting back to, I won't say back to what he was last year because I don't think he'll be what he was last year. We, we had talked about um, a few pods ago uh Emmanuel quickly whether he would as far as like how the impact metrics rate him um whether was last year like his the highest that impact metrics will have graded him um which I which I I think is unequivocally no not the case with Julius Randle I think that last year's uh will be the his best season as far as like rating on an impact metric scale I don't think he'll ever make it to that point again um and and so I, I, my expectations for him are a little bit lower. Like, I think he's been getting better. I think he's been okay on defense, like with a lot of really bad um, mess ups as we're, we're always come to expect from Julius. Um, but I, I think he's on, he's on a good trajectory is what I'll say. So while I, I also feel a lot of your frustration, I'm like, 
he's moving in the right direction and I think he's going to get there, um, you know, within the next 10 or 15 games. I think he'll on balance be a, a, a much better player. As far as the rebounding thing, I'm not sure why people like rebounding as far as a, a box score statistic is like the most meaningless in of itself thing that like is tracked. Like I think points are more meaningful. Assists are more meaningful. Steals are more meaningful. Blocks are more meaningful. Rebounds don't mean anything as like a box score statistic. Um, and I've gotten to disagreements about a lot about this with, with regard to Obi Toppin, um, former Nick Obi Toppin, who is a very low rebounding power forward. Um, and people, I, I keep saying that it's like jarring or it's really bad that Obi Toppin gets like two rebounds in a game or something. And you can't have a power forward getting two rebounds because that means you're getting killed on the boards or, or something like that. Like that just does not follow. Like that's just not, not like deductively that doesn't, that doesn't follow because all that matters is that your team is rebounding the ball it doesn't matter who gets it it doesn't matter how your team gets it it matters that your team gets it so now if Obi Toppin is you know playing on the perimeter closing out to a three-point shooter puts his hand up diving at that three-point shooter and then lets his momentum carry him down the court and leaks out for a fast break um people are assuming that means that Obi Toppin is causing the opponents to be able to get more offensive rebounds that is not borne out by the numbers. When Obi Top is on the court, both with Indiana and with New York, the uh, the opponents do not have a much better um, defensive rebounding or offensive rebounding numbers. Uh, if you if you look at that, if you study it right, like you will not see that correlation. That doesn't mean it's causal. It doesn't mean that like Obi Toppin is the reason why the team's rebounding better. It could be that he's on the court with really good rebounders, which he was with Mitch. And I'm not going to say he is in, in, in the end. I don't think they have many really good rebounders. But my point is just that just because you are not grabbing the rebound yourself and you are not getting that check mark, that tally mark in the box score that says you got the rebound, that doesn't tell you anything about your impact on rebounding, on team rebounding. You have to dive deeper into more statistics. You have to watch the games. You have to see what's actually happening. So this whole box score, like Julius has 10 rebounds. Obi Toppin had two rebounds. Like I, it, it's just so irrelevant to me. I just, I, this is just something that bothers me so much. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but. It's just funny that you bring up Obi. I mean, just the, the quick example is Roy Hibbert. Remember how much shit Roy Hibbert got for being a bad rebounder, you know? And it was like, oh, he's seven foot two and he's got that wide frame. He's averaging five rebounds a game. Newsflash, he was he was averaging five rebounds a game because he was clearing out three bodies and his teammate <laughs> yeah. was getting the rebound. Yeah. Um, to reinforce what you were just saying about Obi, small sample size, but the Pacers are getting 73% of defensive rebounds when he plays, 66.5% of defensive rebounds when he sits this year. Now again, that could be noise. Maybe the bench unit that Obi doesn't play with is just a really bad rebounding team. Maybe Miles Turner is the real, you know, maybe he's the real... Um, what the hell is the word lightning rod uh, there's a better word but maybe catalyst. he's the real cat catalyst there we go maybe he's the real rebounding catalyst um could be but the point is, is that whatever you think of obi's rebounding it's clearly not hurting you because when he plays you're getting more rebounds that's that is what matters more than who's actually grabbing the rebounds russell westbrook's 11 rebounds were entirely replaceable i don't know how many times i need to say that to anybody's listening would he get 
some crazy rebounds that only he Russell Westbrook could get because he has one of the highest motors in the history of the sport, and he would just go flying in for an offensive rebound and save a game for you? Absolutely. That is what makes Russell Westbrook special. The eight defensive rebounds a game he got because Steven Adams boxed out and just didn't catch the ball because they were hunting triple doubles did not make – that's not what made him special. And so this goes along with XJ's point that rebounds the stat are almost like saves in baseball. The only reason we care about them is because somebody decided 60 years ago that we should care about them. But we would be probably better off if that same person decided we should care about, I don't know, like box outs that lead to rebounds or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that obviously that's the, the, the big example of, of inconsequential rebounding is Russell Westbrook, um, you know, coming up and picking up the, the, the scraps after Steve, Steven Adams does all the dirty work and boxing out and boxing out two or three guys. Um, it would be almost like saying Steven Adams averaged, you know, whatever it was in, in, in some of those Westbrook years, six or seven rebounds a game and be like, oh, you know, he's an OK rebounder. Like Steven Adams is like a, is an all time great rebounder. And that does not need to be you can't measure that by like the number that of tallies in the box score. So um, that's just a big that's a big uh, nuisance to me. But as far as, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, oh, what, yeah. yeah, what's up? Every week we come on here and we chat and we're buddies and we talk about how we need to keep this shorter. And then we have a 20 minute tangent about <laughs> rebounding. And it's like, this is never, this is never getting shorter ever. We're going to, we're going to start cutting, we're going to start cutting into this, this into three, three pieces before we know it. Yeah, like this is never getting shorter. You yeah, heard right. JJ Hickson and we're like, I need, this is me. I'm in, like, you know, like, and I guess that's, that's why we do this. That's that's why we do it. And, and uh, you know, I, I think at some point I will get out of denial and, and acknowledge that this is never getting shorter. Uh, until then, every week I go into it with the express goal of that this is going to be, you know, an hour and 15 tidy podcast, but um, probably never getting shorter more, more realistically. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a solid kind of recap and discussion about the Knicks. I mean, let's I think we should talk about. Uh, the Timberwolves game real quick. Okay, yeah, let's let's, let's dive into we it. Were, we were uh, talking before we hopped on, and I'm very interested to hear your perspective because I was a For little sure. bit surprised. So, you know, people who aren't privy, and actually you could have been privy to what we were talking about before this actually started, but XJ forgot to hit record. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's that's another story. Um, but for everyone who who wasn't privy, what we were talking about i i basically just hopped on and was like eh schedule loss you know that that's my takeaway from this timberwolves game i thought we shot like total shit i thought the timberwolves played an unreal defensive game they were flying around i was super impressed with the knicks effort i was sitting there knicks are down 20 you got quickly and rj just killing themselves for these rebounds just racing up and down the court everywhere and i'm not just singling them them out everybody's effort was top tier tonight um didn't love Randall's, but whatever. Like Randall's is again, I, I can I can acknowledge that maybe I'm just looking for, you know, for whatever reason. It's not like I don't like him personally. I don't want anybody to think that. Um I love the Knicks overall effort. Um the Knicks didn't make anything. I thought I mean quickly himself had five shots go in and out. I, I didn't get what was happening there. That was that was kind of wild. Um I I think when when we talk about our, our second segment later i'm going to talk more about this game with quickly and how it highlighted something to me so i'll save that but my point is that I, I thought the knicks played fine and they were just tired at the end of a road trip they had tired legs 
They're playing a really good team who plays really well at home. And are the Timberwolves maybe better than we thought? Sure. But I would rather take that away from this game than, oh, the Knicks, again, can't beat a good team. This was a really, really brutal schedule. This was the end of it. That's my takeaway. And I would just... I, you didn't really seem to be on board with that, so or at least fully on board with that. So I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so so just to clarify, I'm gonna uh, ask you a question real quick. So did you you felt like this game that they lost against the Timberwolves was really came down to kind of like a make or miss league kind of situation? Like they just missed shots. Um, I would say no. Thinking about it fully. Because the Timberwolves missed a lot of open shots. In fact, I would bet that from a shot quality, when shot quality releases the score tomorrow, I would be totally not shocked at all if the score kind of is reflected, if the shot quality differential is similar or even greater in the Timberwolves' favor than the actual score. So no, not make or miss league. I didn't think that the Knicks only missed shots because they had tired legs. I just didn't, didn't think they played... I thought the only thing that I was really, really proud of was their defense in the first half on Anthony Edwards. I thought they defended him the gangbusters. I thought they did a great job. It was a great game plan by Thibodeau. And then Edwards just kind of woke up, and that was that. Um, so from an X's and, X's and O's standpoint, I was really proud of that. And then, um, yeah, I guess that was it. There was, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't think that, I didn't think they did a great job of collapsing the defense and forcing and creating a lot of great shots. And I thought the Timberwolves created more great shots. And I think okay. that I think that you can point to tired legs more than they just can't beat this team. Okay, that's fair. So I, I need to clarify that because I didn't think the Knicks got really good shots basically the whole game. And that was more my concern. I didn't see much of a flow to their offense. Um, I thought they took really bad shots. They And that was kind of all they could get against this team. Um, even shots that they made, like DiVincenzo made like a ridiculous three once. And I'm just like, that's crazy. And I think Brunson couldn't really get off good shots as well. RJ, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to, uh, to, to describe <laughs> RJ's game, honestly. Um, so I, yeah, I would agree with that. I think if we were to see the shot quality data, I would, I would assume that the Knicks shot quality was very low in this game. And so if it was a situation where, they just had open threes and open shots and they were just missing them. I would be more likely to agree with you. I felt like they couldn't do anything. And it, I don't think this defense, I think Minnesota's defense is really good. I don't think this defense is that good. So Minnesota, I mean, speaking of the fact that the Knicks, this is their fifth road game in a row, correct? For, for the Knicks. Um, and yeah, Minnesota- they bought uh, Boston, Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington, or Washington, Charlotte, and then Minnesota. And in eight game, eight days, Mm-hmm. That's that's almost unfair. Like I, yeah. I'm not like conspiracy theorist, or I mean, <laughs> I guess you know I kind of am. But um, <laughs> but no, I I don't think I don't think that Adam Silver is out to get the Knicks. I just I would be very curious to see how. You know what? I'm actually for our for our followers. I'm gonna research it and I'm gonna tweet it out later. Maybe I'm just dead wrong. I'm going to check and see how many other teams in the league this season play a stretch of five road games in I'll even I'll even give them an extra day in nine or less days well I'm glad that this is okay folks if you're listening if you're listening to hot hand theory right now I did not set this up this is not a we did not discuss this beforehand um 
one of the teams, one of the such teams is the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> who just played five road games in a row in eight nights. <laughs> this being their first one back at home. The Minnesota wow. Timberwolves played the played in San Antonio uh, against Golden State twice, both at Golden State against Phoenix and New Orleans um, on the 10th, the 12th, the 14th, the 15th, back to back the 18th and then now this is their first game back at home after playing five consecutive road games um with those those all coming in eight nights so that is very funny that <laughs> that um you pulled that up but yeah so that that's kind of where i was going the the timberwolves are also coming off a pretty grueling schedule so i feel like it's tough to blame it on the schedule when the timberwolves are in almost the exact same situation that with the difference being that this is their first game back at home um and this is the knicks uh last game on the road um the timberwolves just gave up a 120 point per 100 possession uh performance against the pelicans in their last game that they uh that they won and they also gave up you know 150 points per 100 possessions game uh you know two games ago against phoenix who obviously a, a, a much better offensive team than the knicks but two games in a row where their defense got completely dismantled um they also again like i said played five row games in eight nights very similar to the Knicks situation. So I think it's tough for me to just say, ah, you know, the Knicks were tired. They had five road games in eight nights. Um, you know, they played against a great defensive team. Like that doesn't really check out for me. So I, and, and again, their, their shot quality was really poor, I, I believe. So I think th for those reasons, I don't kind of just chalk this one up. Like I, like I did with, you know, the but those are conflicting. Game. You, you, you do agree that those are, con you just sort of contradicted yourself immediately because you it's, said, no. You said calling it a schedule as a loss doesn't really check out for me. And also, the Knicks didn't really get good shot quality. I would argue that why is it not they didn't get good shot quality because they were exhausted from that long ass road trip? Why, why can't that? Why can't there be causation there? I mean, there could be. We just don't know that that's the case. I don't. I don't see compelling evidence to suggest to me that that's the case. Like I, I, I'm, well, well, sure you do. You just watch the game. <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't seem like I don't. I, I do well, okay, assess, okay. Do I'm sorry. I'm like sorry. Tired legs by watching the game. Like, well, what, well then, what was what your you takeaway? Well, what was your takeaway then? Why do you From think they the didn't game? get? Yeah, I, I, I. This is why I said I'm curious. Yeah. What if if you're saying, oh, I actually didn't see them tired. I just, but they couldn't get good shots, and they. I couldn't, couldn't see. I, I, I honestly, I can't see a team like. I can't look at a game and say, oh, that's that team. I, I know definitively like the re the reason why that team is playing the way that they are is because they're tired. Like I, I, I don't know what, what kind of, so, so do you feel like you could just watch a game? Like I, this is a genuine like question. Do you feel like you could just watch a game and then not without the context of like, they played five road games in eight nights or anything like that. Just watch a game fresh. Like I could just pop in a game from any time, uh, you know, 2014, here's the game. And then you can just watch and say like, yeah, that team's tired. Like they're, you know, they're, they're, they're that's the reason why they're getting poor shot quality. Okay. I just want to add some context here. Um, so first of all, the Timberwolves played, um, they played five road games in nine nights, which not a big deal. I don't, I don't care that you got that <laughs> wrong, but you they had say, played. You did say nine nights, by the way. <laughs> oh no, I know. I know. I'm just saying there was a small difference between uh Knicks and Timberwolves it wasn't exactly apples to apples but yes I but my bigger point was going to be they had played one game since Wednesday 
So they played at Phoenix on Wednesday, had a couple nights off, had, had, you know, Wednesday, you know, they probably traveled Wednesday night and then Thursday and Friday all the way off. They went to New Orleans, they went home. The Knicks played back to, they played Wednesday night and then Friday and then Saturday. They played three games in four days. And then the Timberwolves was their fourth game in six days. I just don't think that's the same. Um, okay. and I, think I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the same. I, I, I just, I just think it's like, it was just funny because you said you know a team that yeah. <laughs> name a team that has played five five road games in eight nights and you were like well even I'll, I'll even extend it to nine nights and then yeah. it, was, it was the Timberwolves <laughs> that, that, is, that, that, that is wild no but I, I do think I do think it is important that you if you're so sure that it's that oh I actually didn't get the sense that they were tired at all no no no. Well, I'm not saying I'm sure I'm not saying I'm sure I'm no saying, I know okay, okay. I, I'm sorry okay. I'm not putting I, I didn't mean to put those words in your mouth but if yeah, you're fair. if you're if you're saying you think you think that you didn't get the sense that it they, they their shot quality was poor because they were tired I think that we should land on a why weren't they able to force the collapses that they've been forcing you know all season long even against good teams you know uh I would I would take that Boston game in Boston and that's the outlier to me. Even the first game against Boston, I thought their offense was really good, especially in the first half. I thought they created a lot of good looks. Um, Milwaukee, not a good defense, obviously, but that's a really good team. They created plenty of good looks against Milwaukee. Just didn't make anything Um, all season long. It's not just, it's, it's not like their offense has only been really good against, or has only been good and creating good shot quality against the very bottom of the barrel. It has been good all season. So I'm asking you, if it wasn't tired legs, if it wasn't, you know, three games and five nights and all these coming on the road and the end of a longer road trip, what was the reason to you that they, when you were watching that you were like, man, they're really struggling to create the good shots that they usually do. Yeah. I think that the Knicks seem to, struggle to create good shots against good defenses. And that's kind of like a reiteration of my point from earlier, which is that, yes, they are a solid team and a good team. They're playing as, as such, and they're beating up really badly the bad teams. Like that is what they're doing consistently. And, um, you know, when it comes to Atlanta, like, again, I think that that's a team that's a solid, like good team, not, not like a great team or a really good team or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I think that to me, actually, this goes into a bucket of evidence that suggests that they aren't getting good shots against good defenses. And that's kind of the concern for me, right? They're getting amazing shots against Charlotte's, the Spurs, the you know, Charlotte's twice, the, the, the Wizards. Um, but when they played like, you know, when they played Milwaukee, you felt like they got really good shots. Their offense was like, woefully underperforming in that in that game as far as like on an efficiency scale they shot 45 percent in that game uh 45 effective field goal percentage in that game they were on 105 per 100 possession pace in that game uh the game against cleveland at home you know a 95 points per 100 possession pace in that game shot 37 percent effective field goal i can't believe i just said that shot 37 percent effective field goal percentage um and that cleveland that cleveland defense is still good without allen and and garland maybe even i won't say better but like comparable um so yeah my concern is really that the teams that they're scoring really well on and getting good shots and getting anything they want those games have come against charlotte washington charlotte san antonio um 
those are the teams that they really beat up on. So that that it's just more like this is not this is not like wow, look, they've been getting great shots against good defenses all all season, and then now they just happen to not. So obviously there must be something weird that's happening. Like no, this is consistent with, from what what we've seen so far. This doesn't mean they can't get better. This doesn't mean that they can't. Um, you know, start to get more uh, better shot quality against good defenses. But this is, do you, do you, I guess, do you feel like this is different? Like, do you feel like this is a, a complete aberration from what we've seen from them this season? Because to me, this seems just totally consistent. Yeah. I just thought that, I just thought that they, I mean, again, this could just be my bias, but I just thought they couldn't force that collapse. And I think their whole offense is built around that. Even as it's, evolved a little bit from last season it's still they they still don't really run any plays yeah and yeah, just to be clear I, the, the fact that they couldn't force the collapse you believe comes down to that they were tired maybe maybe it's more wishful thinking than actually believing it but i do yeah i think that okay i don't know i i think that um and i'll take a, i'll take a look real quickly um i think that the next time they play minnesota will be a better barometer Assuming that you know, it's not another crazy, um, another crazy schedule game, which I don't think it, it can't be this this crazy. But yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see how they play. Um, so, <laughs> wow, that's so nuts. What? They play Minnesota again, coming off a three game road trip <laughs> where they play where they play. Dude, that's nuts. They play no, that, that they, game doesn't count either. <laughs> no, it'll count. It'll count. Um, because but yeah, that, that's so wild. They play December 27th, December 29th, and December 30th. So three road games and four nights, and then and then they fly home and Minnesota's the, the fourth game. That's wild. Um no, you make a lot of good points. I actually think to and you know, it's 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 kind of boring to just chalk it all up to, you know, just variance or, or tired legs you know you, you do want to try to analyze more of what's happening and not just dismiss it and i think that no player sums that up more than emmanuel quickly for me at least uh, sums up what you're talking about because you're talking about a divide between what you can do versus bad to average to slightly above average teams and what you can do versus the best and i mean neither of us are these oh like the regular season doesn't matter it's what you do in the playoffs you know the the quickly hater that just the people who think like that in general um but i do think that quickly if you watch this game and you rewatch this game something that very clearly stood out to me was quickly had no assists i know he had a couple of potential assists and he, and they were they were good passes but all the all the improved passing that we've seen, all the pocket passes, all the next level kickouts. It's not even that he was uh, passing on making those passes; they weren't available to him. The Timberwolves were basically just like, "We don't respect you enough as a scorer to. You're not going to force that collapse. We're going to stay with you." And for quickly to be what we know he can be offensively, what he's shown he can be offensively against, you know, the bottom eighty percent of the league. His leap is going to be forcing the help in, in this offense. His, his leap is is going to come in two areas. It's going to be being better at forcing the help so that more passes are available to him because you need to do that at his size. It's not. It's not. You know. You're not a wing. You're not like RJ. You're not. You're not Tatum. You're not somebody who's just naturally drawing multiple defenders because you're a bit bigger. The Timberwolves are more than welcome to let quickly. You know, saunter into the paint with one guy and see what he can do. 
Um, and smart defenses are. I think that's why he struggles against the Celtics, or at least he struggled against the Celtics this time. He doesn't historically struggle against the Celtics. Um, my point is, is that I think his his growth is going to come in forcing that help and in his shooting becoming more consistent. He just he bodies of work matter. And what I mean by that is if you shot 50% from three on a season and 41 games out of the season, you went five for five. And then the other 41 games of the season, you went over five, the over five would be more harmful than the five for five would be helpful. Um, and the reason for that is because positive diminishing returns are, are stronger than negative diminishing returns. So Yes, I do. I think quickly he's going to end the season in the 37 to 40% from three range. I absolutely do think he's going to do that. But he needs to stop having really good game, really good game, really bad game, really bad game from a shooting perspective. His shooting needs to become more consistent. He's too good a shooter to keep having these, this zigzag scatter chart from as a shooter. And so I think that that is the leap he can make. And I found it really interesting. Um, for those who don't know, Dunks and Threes released their EPM rankings. And quickly was after a career year last season. Quickly was at exactly zero so far this season. Despite what we're you know we're all watching on the tape, we all see that he's clearly improved as a basketball player. His impact has actually regressed so far this season. He's not helping the team as much this season as he did last season. And I think that we're first of all a big part of that is he's negative defensively so far. And I've I haven't seen him be a negative. I think there's a lot of noise to that. But I do think that he's not the all-world defender we saw last season. Um, but offensively, I think that he can still grow in the ways that I'm talking about. And I think that when he becomes less volatile and his output against the top-tier defenses gets more consistent, I think the Knicks' offense will evolve in that way. So I actually think, to go all the way back to your original point, quickly is kind of the poster for what you're talking about, for this volatility that is kind of bothering you. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. Um, I think as far as quickly, specifically, quickly has been an extremely high variance shooter throughout his career. And I, I know one time, I think it was last season or something, he was going through one of his cold spells. And then I, I put together a chart of his shooting. Um, you know, I think it was like, it was, uh, in, it was like insanely consistently inconsistent like he had three games in a row where he'd shoot like 70 percent from three and then three games in a row where he'd shoot like 15 percent from three and it was like this like like a very consistently like i need to like f find that tweet that because I, I tweeted it out um it was like that for a very long stretch where he was like had three really good game shooting three really bad game shooting and it was it was like clockwork um so he's just oddly very streaky uh and and i think that consistency is a place where he needs to improve i mean i think that's something that we've seen i think buddy healed was like this like you know before a few years ago like he was very inconsistent he would be he would run hot and cold from three um now i think he's a little bit more of a consistent shooter i wish there was actually like a, a stat that we could pull up as far as like shoot like variance um shooter uh, which I think that it, it does make sense actually for that to exist. I don't think that's just like another stat to add to the pile. I think it actually tells you a lot, but yeah, I, I, I think the quickly thing I agree with, but I would ask you, cause I know we've talked about, it. we actually talked about this 
before we ever linked up and decided to do a podcast together or anything like that. Like I remember having this conversation through DMs. Um, Quickly's on off has always been really, really good. And, and people might blame it on the fact that, or, or not blame it, attribute it to the fact that he comes off the bench and he rolls over bench units. He leads the, the, the second unit and rolls over bench bench teams because he's, to, to be honest, he's too good to be a bench player. Um, but, but that makes his on off look really good. And it makes his, you know, it, like we'll talk about impact metrics in a little bit, but that makes his impact look not as good when you, when you kind of account for strength of, uh, opponents. And when you account for strength of teammates, I felt like this was not a concern for you as far as like Quickly's performance, largely coming against bench units and that's kind of like the impetus for why his on-offs look so good um we see we've seen him perform really 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 well as a starter last year of course um you know one of some of his best performances last year came as a starter against starting units i mean he averaged 25 and 5 on 62 percent true shooting as a starter last season right right and with his defense that's an all-star as absolutely. a 23 year old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And and I and to be honest, I think even tonight, despite what you're saying, I it which be it is true. I think he like played relatively well tonight on offense. I think he, like you said, you also mentioned he had like five in, in and outs, which was like weird. Like the, I, you could almost just count those shots as makes because but, the but my point between, my point yeah, is XJ and just to just to hop in here real quick. Yeah, yeah. My point is, is that a lot of the shots that I, I agree with you, I, I would say you took 14 shots, at least 10 of them. You're just like, yes, we want you taking that every single time. And then a couple were just end of shot, got shot clock grenades that he got. But my point is, is that even the, the middle tier shots that he ended up taking were only taken after he snake dribbled around and no passes were available to him. And he evaded. He's looking for the pass. The Knicks offense wants him to pass. They want, I mean, they, Tibbs doesn't want you to turn over. That's rule number one. And he wants, he wants you to take shots at the rim or he wants you to take threes. That's rule number two. The person who's initiating the offense is creating the best shot possible. And when quickly gets inside the, the arc, since he's not elite at getting to the rim, like an RJ Barrett or, you know, other, or any, he's not, He's very good in the mid-range, but he doesn't have the volume because he doesn't have the handles that Jalen Brunson does. So once quickly gets inside the arc and he's not pulling up from three, he's looking to pass. That's what he's looking to do in this offense. And in my opinion, the Timberwolves and other elite defenses are kind of, they're, they're becoming aware of that and they're looking to take away the pass first. And I think that the reason quickly had zero assists tonight one of it, one of the reasons is yes, people missed shots off his passes. But another reason is because passes weren't available to him as off uh, as often. So yes, I agree that within the paradigm of how he was, how he could play tonight, he played fine. And I, I don't hate any of the shots he took. I actually thought he played really good defense against Anthony Edwards, which is another reason I was really surprised that Thibodeau didn't go he with did. him at the end. Yeah, because his defense on Edwards was awesome, and then Tim just went away too. from that. Really, he had a couple of possessions that were crazy. Um, so yes, I I I just wanted to reiterate that I I don't think he played a bad game at all. I think he played better than his shooting. I just think that it also exposed 
why his offensive impact is so volatile because when the defense can take away his ability to pass and elevate his teammates, which is why he's so valuable. He is one of the ultimate teammate elevators, not just as a passer, but as a defender and as a mover, as a screener, as his gravity, his teammate elevation is the most valuable thing about, about him. And when on one side of the ball, the defense can take a huge part of that away from him. His impact becomes less pronounced. Yeah, I, I think that's all right, and I I, I largely agree. Um, I, I I think I think this is a primary reason why he's worked so hard in his mid range shooting. Um, and 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 I don't think you know what he was shooting earlier in the season from mid range, which is like sixty percent or something like that. Obviously, I don't believe that's real, but I do think he is a legitimate like. 48% mid-range shooter and 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 maybe even higher from short mid-range. So I do think that that's going to offset some of those deficiencies because I think if you're able to score with that amount of consistency from, you know, mid-mid-range to short mid-range, I think teams will have to respect you a lot more and, and bigs will have to come up and those passing lanes will become more available to him. Um, but I, 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 I do just think like if he makes like five additional shots, you know, last night, uh, on uh, against the Timberwolves, um, I think his game looks completely differently, and I and I and I would like to see him be like aggressive and and kind of look for those shots when when the passes aren't readily available, and I think he's going to make them at a reliable clip later on. Um, I just do want to see kind of his three point shooting come down from a variance standpoint and and be a little bit more consistent moving forward. So uh, that to me, that's a that's the big step for for quickly. So, but I, I totally hear all of your points. Yeah, I. I also just want to see him defending closer to last season. I do think he played another good defensive game, but just if if you went back and watched the this season on the whole, so far this season, geez, of course it's this season. If you went back and watched the season on the whole, um, he's getting beat off the bounce a little bit more than he did last season, and his off he hasn't been as perfectly in tune off the ball as he was last season. He's gotten beaten on a couple of backdoor cuts already this year, which is very, very rare for him. And, yeah, I just don't think he's as locked in on that side of the ball, which is, again, this bar is very high, people. For If you're listening to this and you, you're not aware, quickly was one of the most valuable defenders, guard defenders in all of basketball last season. So, And I'm like we talked him- about – that didn't get him paid, right? So that I think that that's the concern for me anyway. Like, he was that, like you said, and it didn't get him his contract. So it seems like he's making a more concerted effort to be an impact offensive player is what it looks like to me. Yeah, you said exactly that on the preseason pod. You were you were like, uh, my concern is he didn't get paid being when, when all the impact stats loved him and they all loved his defense and everyone already thinks he's, Lou Williams 2.0 he like there's got to be some worry that he's just gonna be like okay I'll just, I'll just play like that you know <laughs> um which would make him a less valuable basketball player and I think he's already getting reinforcement for that like we've seen his performance we've seen his performance in in you know in Washington for instance and kind of being the guy to do the post-game interview obviously a lot of, of that had to do with the fact that he was at home and had family there and stuff but I just think we've seen him be already receive much more reinforcement for his offensive performances than he ever had for his subtle nuanced defensive performances. And to me, if you align incentives that way, um, I don't know what, what else you would expect to get. So that, that that's my concern. It would just be a shame. And I would, I would hope that 
somebody, whether it's in the Knicks, if the Knicks pay him, or if you know another team pays him, I, I would hope that there's somebody who's who reminds him, you know, hey, you're a good offensive player, but you're a great defensive player. That's what you are, um, and you can you're you can you can go very far in this league being that. Don't don't lose that, you know. I I have the same hope, uh, but maybe not the same optimism for <laughs> for it. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think for instance, a guy like a guy like Derek White gets you know gets his all of his accolades and and, and flowers now, but you know I think Derek White has been playing in a similar style for a while before he was able to get like the reception for it. Um, and and even this year, I mean, Derek White's been a much better offensive player. Um, I think, and his defense has been a little bit short of where it has been in past years, but 